Listen up, get ready, I'm not gonna take no more There's a revolution, a revelation going on in my soul Buckle up, get ready, we're not gonna sit back and wait and allow us Okay, welcome all you citizens of the world. It's time for another edition of the Live from the Heartland show. We're here in Chicago where we do stand up and we try to be strong. Uh, thank you, Kev Moe. I'm Michael James. I'm your host today, and I'm here with you and for you with another edition of the Live from the Heartland show. This is number 105 during the time of the pandemic. Uh, basically, that means that we're still doing it from home. It's not quite live. We are recording on June 10th, the day before this will be aired. And uh, you can get it now three times a week on WLUW. That's uh, Saturday morning. That's Tuesday morning and Friday morning. And we're available a lot of other places too. Uh, today, I've got uh, a number of really neat guests. I'm going to have uh, the uh, longtime political activist, uh, politician, uh, Clem Balanoff. He is the national political director of the Amalgamated Transit Workers Union, and he's working on elections all over the country. Uh, we're going to have our semi-regular sports report, the Heartland Sports Report, from uh, the former famed cross-country coach Gordon Thompson, who is now teaching and uh, looking forward to a summer off. And then we're going to welcome our uh, co-host sometimes, uh, Katie Hogan, along with Rosanna Magada, and they're going to talk about the Artists on the Wall, that signature event that happens every year in the 49th Ward along the shores of the Great Lake Michigan in Loyola Park. So we're going to have some good conversation. Uh, I'm going to start off by letting you know that uh, on Thursday was the beginning of the January 6th Capitol insurrection hearings. Uh, I think we may get to talk about that with Clem Balanoff a little bit. In any event, uh, the Democrats and a couple of Republicans who were involved, and Liz Cheney was very good, I thought. Um, they're basically showing and illustrating, demonstrating that Donald Trump was uh, right at the center of the actions that took place on January 6th. And, um, you know, it was spellbinding and there was a lot of new footage and we'll uh, certainly hear more about that in the weeks to come because there's a lot more to come. Um, on the gun front, let me let you all know that in the nine and a half years since 21st graders and six teachers were massacred at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newton, Newtown, Connecticut, there have been 900 and over 900 incidents of gunfire on school grounds and nearly 3,500 mass shootings. That's a lot of a uh, lot of mass shootings. And a little bit more on that. There is going to be on Saturday the 11th. That's um, when some of you will be listening or hearing, seeing this on a stream or hearing it on a stream. There's going to be demonstrations across the country. Uh, called March for Our Lives. And the one here in Chicago is March for Our Lives Chicago. It starts at 11 o'clock, excuse me, noon on Saturday the 11th. And uh, it'll be at the Federal Plaza. And it's going to go on for a while. On the political front, the San Francisco District Attorney race, uh, uh, it was a setback for the progressives who support the mission of criminal justice reform. Chase Boudin lost. The turnout was uh, overwhelmingly financed by uh, more conservative forces in San Francisco. And there are a lot of tech companies and the 
constituency and the population there seems to have changed a lot, but it was a very small turnout, about 129,000 people out of maybe 400 plus thousand eligible voters. So I don't think we've seen a the end of it, but that basically is talking points for, points for people who want to tone down the progressive uh, arguments on a lot of fronts. Um, on the labor front, uh, we've been reporting regularly about uh, the increase of uh, Starbucks outlets that are unionized. That continues to happen. I think there were four or five more this week. Um, and in addition to Starbucks and Amazon, uh, and then we did report on a gentleman men's, cl men's club last week, all unionizing. Now Trader Joe's workers are seizing the moment to unionize. Employees at a store in Western Massachusetts filed for a vote to unionize on Thursday, that would be yesterday, citing uh, health and safety conditions as well as cuts to benefits as the catalyst for their push for organization. Um, if they succeed, they'll be the only Trader Joe's uh, unionized store in the country, but we know many more will follow. Stay tuned. Um, on the war in Ukraine, uh, it still goes on. Uh, the, the Russians seem to be digging in uh, in the eastern sector. President uh, Zelensky said that the Ukraine needs more weapons and European Union membership. So stay tuned for that. Um, I've got uh, a little bit of good news on the environmental front that was given to me by our producer engineer, Emilio Davis. And it says many people who want to invest in solar panels for their home don't know where to start. Well, starting in the fall, furniture store IKEA announced they will be selling home solar units in California stores in partnership with SunPower, a 35 year old solar brand, which is well respected in the industry. IKEA also announced plans to move the solar panel stocking into stores nationally in the near future. I think Illinois has uh, some kind of a special arrangement. There's a lot of uh, efforts to get people to go solar. I, for one, am a homeowner with a lot of trees, but I'm looking into it myself because solar is a good thing. And a little bit of an enticement on the sports front. Um, Jefferson Park native, that's Jefferson Park here in Chicago, and Taft High School alum Jack Suwinski is the left fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates and now leads the National League rookies in home runs this season with seven. While we uh, tend to root for Chicago teams, we certainly like that a Chicago native, Jack Zawinski, is doing real well in his rookie year. Uh, and a little bit of information about what's going on here in the 49th Ward. Uh, again, uh, you may see or listen to this show a number of places, but if you're getting it uh, on the radio on Saturday morning or uh, via stream on Saturday morning, know that uh, on Saturday afternoon at 7600 Polina, there will be a 49th Ward Juneteenth block party. Also, the farmer's market is back open on Sundays, and that's uh, this will be its second week. Uh, Glenwood Avenue is closed off not just for the farmer's market, but also for uh, bars and restaurants along there. They're now a, really a great table set up out there, and people should check it out. Also, two other things, uh, the Prairie Dancer Front Porch Studio Gallery, that would be me, will be uh, show out there on Sunday. 
uh, with photos and books. And I'm ready to have some good conversation with any and all who show up. And one more thing would be Heirloom Books over on Ashland Avenue here in the 49th um, or close to the 49th. I'm not sure it could be the 48th. But Heirloom Books is having their fifth birthday party. It will take place Sunday from 2 to 6 at the wonderful Archie's Cafe on Loyola Avenue, just west of Sharon Road. Okay, that's it for the announcements. Um, Emilio, I think, is going to pick a song. We'll be right back with our first guest. So stay tuned here on the left end of your dial or wherever you're getting the show. And we'll be back with more Live from the Heartland. You better think, think, think about what you're trying to do to me. Think, think, think that your mind go let yourself be free. Let's go back, let's go back, let's go way on the way back when. I didn't even know you, you couldn't have been too much more than Hey, we're back with more Live from the Heartland. I'm Michael James. We're here live from the Heartland for number, it's actually number 105 in the time of the pandemic. It's for the week of uh, June 11th. And I am really glad to bring on a guy I've been chasing for weeks, trying to get him on because he is a very busy guy. That would be the one, the only Clem Balanoff. And he is the political director of the Amalgamated Transit Union, uh, a labor organization in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, who then employs, uh, represents employees in the public transit industry. And Clem uh, has been around for a long time. He was a uh, state representative here, here in Illinois. He's from a politically active family. Uh, maybe get him to talk a little bit about that. But let's just get going with Clem. Good morning to you, brother. Hey, good morning, Michael. It's great to be here. You know, it's, um, you say when you talk, you say I've been around a long time. You make me feel like I'm old. Well, you're not as old as me, brother. I'll tell you that. You're looking good. A couple of years younger than you, but certainly always trying to catch up to you in terms of activism and involvement. Well, you, you're doing a great job. And every time I try to get a hold of you, you'd be on your way to Canada or California. So yeah. why don't you uh, just let's just start off with telling us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing on the political front. Uh, I know you're going to want to focus on some races you're working on. Uh, I'm going to maybe grill you on the January 6th hearings. You're, let's start with that. You got sure. any take on the January 6th hearings? Uh, on Thursday night, we uh, we watched, I think a lot of people, maybe some Republicans too, watched them. Your take on them. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the 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 kind of um, the, the footage and the of what we saw yesterday was horrific. And it's 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 un, it's unbelievable to me that nobody, Republicans included, after watching all of the statements, including what Bill Barr said. Um, that was heavy. That really was. Um, you know, could could any way support Donald Trump and, and this at this particular point in history? And, and, and Republicans, quite honestly, because the vast majority of them are supposed to continue to be supportive and they fall over themselves to try to prove that they're even more close to Trump and they believe that he was cheated in, 2000, in 2020. I, it's just unbelievable to me. They try to figure out how to get the, the most craziest that they can to get elected in the Republican primaries, which is going to be- yeah, an- and, they, and they reverse their position about, you know, some of them uh, have talked about, well, this can't happen and we have to look into it. And, uh, you know, we got to get rid of Trump when he was still in. And then they switch in their stories. 
Yeah, well, I think that's because at, at, at the time of that, within the Republican Party, Donald Trump was the, the, a real serious force and extremely popular. I think that's changing in this country, though. And when you look at elections around the country, a number of his candidates are, are losing um, in the Republican primaries. I mean, he has victories, too, don't get me wrong. But I think you're going to start to see, I, I think when there, there's a, just some kind of like, like crack in the armor there, I think we're going to see, or, or crack in the dam, I think we're going to see the floodgates open up. And I think you're going to see a lot more of his candidates not doing very well. Um, and it's interesting, because I'm not sure that's the best thing for Democrats in the fall. I mean, it's rather well, running against a real Trump Republican. On the Republican front, uh, do you think that, uh, I mean, you have an awful lot of people who just totally flipped into another kind of a world. Yeah. Do you think uh, there were many Republican li listeners last night? I know Fox News didn't yeah. even broadcast them. Well, I, 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 I don't think that every Republican only listens to Fox News. I support, I, I'm sure there were a number of Republicans listening. Um, I guarantee you every member of Congress was listening last night of the Republicans. But no, I think there were, there were probably lots of Republicans and a lot of independents kind of, you know, people like listening last night. Um, and, you know, that's interestingly, there are fewer and fewer swing voters in every election now, you know, when it becomes a Democrat and Republican. So those are the people you have to be talking to. And I think that the message came along across loud and clear yesterday. So, you know, that if the Democrats can keep, you know, somehow get the narrative to be that, then I think that we do very well in the fall. Unfortunately, I think they're going to vote, you know, um, people vote their pop pocketbooks, you know, inflation, gas prices, and things like that. And that's where we have to kind of really work. Well, let's let's look at that a little bit. I When I was talking to you before we came on the air, uh, well, the other day, yeah. uh, I was there was a guy on CNN talking and he basically said, if the election is about uh, saving our democracy, the Democrats have a real good shot at it. If it's about gas prices and inflation, the Republicans win. You, when I talk to you, you're pretty skeptical about uh, the Democrats' chances in 2022. So why don't you elaborate yeah. on that, Clint? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons there, Michael. Um, you know, we in, in 1992, there was a big post, there was post-its on the wall in Bill Clinton's campaign offices all over the place that said, it's the economy stupid. People vote their pocketbooks. I mean, that's just, it, it's, what, and, and it, they always blame the party in power. It doesn't matter if it's their doing or not. You know, but when I think, when I look at the fall, I think the reason that I'm not as optimistic at this point in time, um, but I still think there's a lot of time to election day. I point that out because things can change very rapidly um, because of the way the electronic media that we have now. Um, but I think that, you know, when they do polling, is the country going in the right direction or wrong direction? Overwhelmingly, people feel it's going in the wrong direction. The party in the power, in power, you know, generally loses seats in, in the off-year elections. Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating right now is an average of a minus 12. Um, I think that with voting rights restrictions in many states that have passed, it'll make it more difficult um, for Democrats. I was in Georgia last year for the um, Ossoff and Warnock race. I was there for a couple of months. And if there had been restrictions at that time, I'm not sure we might we might not have won, um, because you know it, 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 we we have always been working like when I work with David Orr, you know, to be able to figure out how to get make it easier to vote and enfranchise people, not disenfranchise them like Republicans are trying to do. Um, crime in big cities could become an issue. Um, the price of gasoline. There's not a time that you turn on the news now that you don't see they don't talk about the price of gasoline. In California, there was a story that it was almost $10 a gallon. Yeah. A couple of days ago in Berwyn, I paid $5.79 a gallon. And when I was in Canada last week, I filled up the tank. Now it's Canadian dollars, but I filled up a tank of this. Uh, my rental car, was a, it was a Volkswagen Passat. I don't think that's a very big car. 
and I filled the tank and it was $125. I mean, and that, and I'm not alone. I was in Berkeley two weeks before that. And this was in gas was only $6 a gallon. And a woman and her husband were filling up their truck and they were senior citizens. And I was talking to her and she said, yeah, it's really hard living on a fixed income. She says, I'm fortunate. We're fortunate. She says, we only fill up the truck once a month because we're now that we're retired, we don't go anywhere. She said, but I really feel sorry for younger people who have to get to work every day, you know, and I don't know how they're going to do it. But, you know, the economy, inflation, you know, as I said, people vote their pocketbooks, redistricting in this country. The Republicans did really well. In Illinois, the Democrats controlled the process, the, you know, the House, the Senate and the governor. And so we got to do the redistricting. So it's, it's, it's more favorable to Democrats like this fall. Um, I look like right now it's 13 Democrats and five Republicans in the Illinois congressional delegation. It's very possible after this fall, that it'll be 15 to, and two, because we lost a seat. And, and because of some redistricting things, we can win 15 seats in Illinois, assuming, you know, like if we're fortunate, not saying we will, that would be, you know, that's pretty optimistic. Um, and then I think there's frustration uh, among like young people. You know, they, they look at things like um, the Green New Deal, it's not going anywhere in the Congress. They look at things like, you know, free college tuition and they're, just, they're living under mountains of debt. And they look at it and say, hey, you know, it, it doesn't seem like things are moving. And I think sort of the piece of frustration, um, you know, and in Illinois, then we've got the Madigan scandal as still is, is, is hovering over, you know, every Democrat in just about every race and in incumbents. So I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough. You know, what do you think that uh, activists, people of conscience should be doing in the months leading up to the election? I mean, well, I if you had to get everyone to, on the same pathway to, uh, to salvaging some of this, what do you suggest? Well, I think around the country, I think we have to start changing the narrative. Um, it, we can't be talking about all the things that, that, that we, uh, our frustrations with what hasn't happened. I think we have to talk about some of the things that have happened. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, that um, was the, one of the, it was the real, the first big piece of legislation that we passed will create just hundreds of thousands of jobs, maybe millions of jobs across this country. Um, it'll make public transit better. It'll take care of the water supply, you know, that, like, that, that be able to give us money to be able to get rid of lead in the water in like in Chicago and other cities across this country because of, you know, the, the lead pipes. We have to talk about things like that. We have to talk about saying, look, yes, we, we understand we haven't gotten in certain cases, we haven't gotten where we want to get. But when we look at things like the Green New Deal, or we look at college tuition or Medicare for all, and I'm not saying we're going to get there in, in 2024 or by 2024 if we elect a few more Democrats, because that's not going to happen. But if you don't start somewhere, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I'm old enough now to understand the change has historically been incremental. I'd like to go from point A to point Z like you would, Michael, in so many cases. Yeah, as we get older, we get more over, over time. Yeah. Well, we understand, unfortunately, that that's just not how things happen all of the time. Um, you know, you and Katie have been fighting for, you know, you're my role models, you guys. And David Orr, I mean, seriously, you've been fighting all your lives for what's right. And, um, you know, uh, and, you know, yet you, you, you see changes, but they're unfortunately they're incremental. And um, I think that we have to start doing things like that. People have to get actively involved. Um, you know, we, we see much less and less, many less people now volunteering. You know, it's harder to get people to knock on doors, make phone calls. Um, and I think that was, you know, in part because of the changing, in, like in Illinois, of the, of the kind of machine. Because instead of having volunteers where they could give jobs to, you know, not volunteers, but they were people who were working because of patronage. Now they're, what they do is they buy, you know, they say, hey, well, we'll pay you for the day. 
um, you know, just to get you out to do something. Volunteerism, it's very difficult to get people out, you know, to walk precincts and to, to knock on doors. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we have to get back to. No, that's why we need uh, lo local organizations. Like in, in the 49th, we've got Network 49, which does some good stuff. Yes, it does. We talked about it. Um, uh, no, Network yeah. 49 is a good example. It's, it's an independent progressive organization. And that is the kind of thing that we have to be building. I mean, Bernie Sanders is coming to Illinois next Thursday and Friday. Um, he'll be doing a rally on at Teamster City on Ashland there um, on Thursday night. I think it's 5.30 or 6.30, right in that time frame, right? And he continues to, to talk about the future and about how what, what a future could be like. And I think it's, it's you know, the Bernie, Bernie, everybody says, well, you know, the guy's an old man. He's gray-haired. He's grouchy, you know. Um, but, you know, people follow him. That's right, you know, um, because he's talking about things that matter to working men and women, to seniors. Yeah. To, to, to younger people, you know, he's talking about pocketbook issues. And that's why I say, we've got to be very careful with this fall. I mean, it's going to, it could be about pocketbook issues. And if it is, I think Democrats are, you know, have, have issues, you know. Yeah. Well, but, I'm going to ask you to check in with Bernie, because I know you ran his uh, campaign here in Illinois and see you. if we can get him as a guest on the show sometime <laughs> when, it, you know, via Zoom. When we had <laughs> Beto O'Rourke on recently, well, yeah. six months ago. Um, I you will can, tell you, you I will try, but I, but I, but, but I, I'll tell you what, no promises because it, that is uh, honestly, Michael, you know, I, I won't tell you any stories. Um, <laughs> that's extremely difficult. You know, look, Katie was a delegate. I was a delegate. Um, David Orr was a delegate. Um, what's his name? You have another one from 49. Um, Michael Harrington. Michael Harrington was, yes, that's right. Michael Harrington was a delegate. We were a lot of people from the area that were delegates. And I think even collectively, it's very difficult to get um, to get Bernie. Um, you know, I know he's coming in next week also to endorse a couple of candidates for U.S. Congress. Well, um, we, can, we can do Bernie from anywhere whenever he well, wants to spend 20 right. minutes. But let's, you've been traveling around the country. Yeah. You've been working on some races. Let's talk about, uh, you, what do you want to start with, nationally, what you're working on? Well, we can, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about Illinois? Yeah, let's go to Illinois because that's my favorite state. Yeah, me too. It's the one I live in. Um, and, and it's the one where we can have the most impact ourselves. You know, there are a number of races for Congress that are, are coming up um, on June 28th. And in many cases, they, they really do pit a progressive against less progressive candidates. Um, and like in the Amalgamated Transit, you know, we've made a number of endorsements. We've endorsed um, Danny Davis in the 1st Congressional, in 7th Congressional District. And he's, she's running, he's running against a young, um, a young woman. And it's interesting because, you know, she's trying to say, hey, this is, um, you know, this is like, we're, we're all about change and things like that. Well, you know, when you look at Danny, he's been a leader in the Congress. And I, I, somebody said, well, we got to have a change. I said, got to have a change. Okay, so let's figure this out. What is it about Danny Davis? Is it because he isn't for um, Medicare for all? I said, he's been for Medicare for all since Clinton Young, the father of Medicare for all in Illinois was alive. Um, you know, and that's right. Is it because he's not for free college tuition? I said, he is. Is it maybe because he doesn't believe in raising the minimum wage to a living wage? And I said, you know what? He was doing that since before she was born. The only thing they say is basically they're saying, well, he's been around a long time. You know what? I say, if, if it's been good, and he's been on the right side. Why change? Um, but, the, but the ATU, we're big, we're, we are big supporters of Danny's. Um, in the third congressional district, it's a new Latino, Latina district. Um, I think, again, this pits a... a you know, serious progressive state legislator, Delia Ramirez, um, against somebody who has been very close and connected to the uh, uh, to Louis Arroyo, who's going to be going to jail and, you know, uh, soon. 
um, you know, it, they called him, uh, what they call him? Something, something they call it, a judge called it something on steroids, like corruption on steroids or something. This is his mentor and his, and you know, his political godfather, I believe he called him that one time. It's, um, you know, and Delia is a young, dynamic um, Latina, supported by Chewy Garcia, uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and others. Um, and it's a real opportunity for um, progressives. Clem, you talked about uh, the famous Levin family, and uh, you're uh, from the famous Balanoff family. <laughs> and uh, during your entire lifetime, you've been part of that family. What's it like growing up in a progressive political family? Well, you know, it's interesting because somebody was asking me that a few days ago. We were talking about uh, different movements that have happened. Actually, it was partially with Heather Booth, um, you know, who, who, by the way, is supporting a candidate for state representative in Illinois named Abdel Nasser Rashid, who's running against the last vestiges of the of the of the Madigan machine um, with Mike Zaleski. At any rate, he's in the paper today. His father again today. He's one of those guys that got the five thousand dollar a month no show jobs of ComEd. You know, his father, a real corrupt family. But it's it's interesting because in 1937, my dad was at the Memorial Day massacre um, at Republic Steel, where ten people were murdered. You know, by the by by the police um, while they were trying to organize a steelworkers union. Um, you know, I, I've been involved, you know, growing up like that, you're involved in everything. In 1963, my dad dragged me to Washington to the march on Washington with Dr. King. I was there. And, Maybe we saw each other. We, we might I have. I was older than you, though. Well, I was young. And I'll tell you what, it's kind of like being on the boardwalk. You know, I don't remember a lot about the day other than the fact that I was there. But I would get to, you know, whether it was the anti-war movement, the women's movement, the environmental movement, it's like you grow up in a family where you're involved in it, you're going to marches, you're going to, you know, leaflet or whatever it takes. Um, and, you know, like, and, and it's like, and so it kind of is in your blood. And it's like, I always tell people, one of the big curses in my life is that I got involved in politics. I said, it's so all consuming everybody, you know, maybe you should think about something else. And I don't really mean that um, because I enjoy yeah. it. I love it. Of it and it's and it's who I am. It's part of who I am, and um, you know that's that's a good thing um, because you know it's like right now. You know, I look at I look at the world and I think there's three well, in, in in government. I think there's three things we have to do. Um, voting rights is so critical, and making sure that we don't lose. You know, like because we're losing our democracy as as we as we as we restrict more and more people's access to voting. I think it's also important that we have campaign finance reform. Yeah. Because if we don't change what it takes to get elected, only the millionaires and billionaires can afford to run. Campaigns are coming much more and much more and much more expensive nowadays. But the most important issue that we face, and one that I tell every young person and middle-aged person and even older people that we have to do something about, and it may not be for them like myself, I'm going I'm to survive the planet. You know, you will probably survive the planet. But the question is, will our children and our grandchildren? And we've got to do something about global warming. And if we don't change what it gets, takes to get elected, we're probably not going to win. And it's so important that we do. And I fight for those things every single day. And I'm going to continue to fight for them, make sure my kids do. And I have a grandson now. He's about 15 months old. The, the, the absolute apple of my eye. I go to Berkeley a lot because that's where my daughter's at with our grandson coming in a couple of days or coming in a week and a half. Um, and it's because I want to fight for a better world and, and, and survival for our grandkids. Well, you're a great example to all of us, Clem Balanoff, and I want to thank you for coming on Live from the Heartland, and I'll be chasing you around in a few months hey. to come on again. And, and I promise you, Michael, I'll be there. And please say hello to Katie for me, one of my favorites. All, all right, right, brother. Yep. All right, you are listening to the Live from the Heartland show for the week of June 11th, 2022. I'm Michael James. We'll be right back with our next guest. It'll be Gordon Thompson, the famed track coach, 
and he will be talking, giving us a sports report. Be right back. Don't move away from the left end of your dial. from the heartland and uh we're bringing on one of my favorite people in the world and someone who knows an awful lot about sports particularly track and field but uh ventures into all sports when he does the semi-monthly heartland sports report the one the only gordon thompson good morning to you senor thompson hello chicago Uh, Gordon and I haven't seen each other since uh, in April. We were traveling around in the Southern Sphere. Um, I didn't get into too many political discussions, but a few. Uh, But we had a good time driving around. And so how are you doing, Gordo? Doing pretty good. You did get in a few political political discussions. Oh, every Starbucks we stopped in, you're like, hey, you guys getting unionized? Hey, what's going down? Some of them probably are union by now. Right. They probably are. Yeah. Some yeah, of them were, were jive to the conversation, some weren't. <laughs> um, let's start off with golf. Uh, you, you like to golf once in a while. Your family golfed. Uh, I have a son who golfs. I never got into it after caddying one time. I didn't really like the people I caddied for. And, um, but golf, is, uh, it certainly has captured my attention whenever uh, Tiger Woods is playing. Uh, He's not playing too often these days, although we root for his comeback, but there's a lot of big news in, in golf. How about uh, filling us in and why it's important for progressives to know this? Well, yeah, I, I have swung the club a little bit, and it's it's the game that uh, I love to hate because uh, it's really an exercise in frustration. The, the score of par is supposed to be average, but you got to be a professional to hit par. Par is not an average score at all. It's a, it's a superlative score and uh, hitting par is no easy. I could hit it on a hole or two, but not for a round. And uh, my Dave's a really good golfer behind me. Uh, Golf is getting a big deal uh, lately because, uh, Hey, Tiger Woods turned down um, high dollar figures to join this new LIV league, league uh, commonly called the Live League by uh, the golfers. And uh, what, what's the story is, is that LIV stands for a number in Roman numerals, and that's 54. And uh, that 54 is, represents the tournament holes in a round of golf of three or four days of 18 holes. 54 holes rounds out a tournament. And what this LIV league is, is a, uh, they're going to be competing against the, the PGA, the Professional Golf Association, and that's the traditional standard. And Tiger took 
uh, a um, uh, said a big a hard no to joining this league, whereas his uh, contemporary Phil Nicholson took the money and is saying uh, all kinds of crazy stuff in the public as well as um, other golfers that are taking the money and run. It's not uh, a, to jeopardize the PGA. It's just an alternative league. And uh, it's not going to ruin the PGA. Just the PGA says, hey, if you join this league, this LIV league, you can't play in the PGA. So that's fair. But they can play in the in other major tournaments like the Open is not a PGA and the Masters is not a PGA tournament. So they can join those others. Big, big deals. Well, this new golf association is, is uh, <clears throat> centered in Saudi Arabia. Well, that's where the funding, that's where the that's controversy con- comes. Is the, the big where? here, everywhere. Well, the first tournament is in London. It's going on right now in London, and uh, that's the first tournament. And, uh, yeah, the, the golfers that have turned it down, like Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and other really good golfers that want to, want to stay hold true, they're going to watch this on YouTube, the, the LIV League, and just to see what the big deal is. And, um, you know, there's no jeopardy in having an alternative league. It just means that you can't play in a PGA if you're going to be in this LIV. In the news, I have not heard anything about Tiger Woods, to be honest with you, in the, the mainstream news that I've been watching. I don't follow golf that closely, but I did follow that um, <clears throat> one of the criticisms is the new league and the people who are going to it aren't addressing the question of human rights that have been brought up around the funders from Saudi Arabia. And I don't know how much that's in a narrative that you're putting that forth, but in addition to the new league, there are questions about where the money come from and how it's made. Well, that's a big big question because the Saudi Arabia has been, you know, one, they've been documented as as being funding for 9-11, the strike in New York. And then, too, they've been documented of uh, assassinating that American and uh, journalist. Uh, and so, okay. those, yeah, those are two really bad, bad things. Um, but, yeah, the money is from Saudi Arabia, who is apparently a friendly uh, favor of to America. We know not, just <laughs> like uh, uh, when we talk about uh, a later story that the Russians really aren't our ally at all. So... Um, if the funding was coming from Eli Musk, would it be different? Yeah, it would be different. So, so this is analysis is all about where the funding is from, and it's dirty money. That's all. It's oily money. Sports reporter, commentary analyst Gordon Thompson. Let's switch to baseball. And one of the things that uh, you know, our beloved White Sox are, yeah, uh, they're they're coming. I hope they'll come out of this a uh, little bit. But Tim Anderson. Uh, what tell us what happened with Tim Anderson and uh, the guy from the Yankees? I think. Well, there is a big feud between uh, that's been came to a head a couple of weeks ago between Tim Anderson of the Sox and Josh Donaldson of the of the New York Yankees. Uh, you tell me, Michael, when when Tim Anderson called himself the new Jackie Robinson a couple a long, about five years ago, what did you think? I don't think I really reflected on it. Uh, I just like Anderson. He's, you know, Jackie Robinson's my favorite player. I uh, grew up loving him. Uh, had the same number that my year of my birth, 42. 
Um, but I, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, because he what what the Yankee player did was call him Jackie, uh, which people take as a put down. I didn't know it could have been a, of a compliment, but your take on it. Um, well, first off, he apologized Pimenti- later. So uh, there's some. Yeah, but doing here. The apology was uh, a cryptic apology oh. and kind of uh, some capital letters and some little letters. And it was really not an apology. Um, hey, Jackie Robinson was a phenomenal trendsetter. <laughs> I mean, he opened the game up when uh, for for uh, African-Americans when they had the the Negro League already in place. Jackie Robinson was treated awful awfully by his own teammates the fans and he had to endure a lot and branch ricky the commissioner of baseball chose jackie robson specifically no, he was he wasn't a commissioner he was the owner of the dodgers right well he chose chose him because of his temperament right that uh jackie could was strong and tough enough to handle it well he did uh handle a lot but he didn't have to handle all he did and he really should have spoken up about all the terrible treatment he was getting at the time. And, and uh, but he didn't. He was uh, really a dignified guy. Tim Anderson calling himself the new Jackie Robinson says, I'm going to break ground. I'm going to do something for my race that uh, hasn't been done before. So immediately he brought attention on, upon himself that he really didn't deserve you know, positive attention that he really didn't deserve. Well, uh, Josh Donaldson made, uh, had called him during competition, during, during the game, called him, Hey, Jackie, what's up, Jackie? You know, that, you know, just kind of giving him trash, trash talk. Well, that trash talk transcended just regular sports barbs to racial behavior, you know, calling him Jackie was a racial epitaph and really was the same thing as calling him the N-word and really was a horrible transgression. And his apology was like, hey, screw you. I'm not apologizing. So Josh Danielson, I don't know if you know, he's got a history. He's been with a bunch of clubs, but only for a couple years at a time. He wears out his welcome for every club he goes to. The guy is, is not a good, not a good uh, teammate for anybody. He's with the Yankees. Now they'll get rid of him in a, in a year or so though. They're going to, they're going to get tired of his, his uh, crap. And well, let's, extra. let's remember that the Boston Red Sox were the last team to take an African-American player. And who was second to last the Yankees in New York. Anyhow, I never liked the Yankees much, although I respect their players. Uh, let's move on to uh, women's basketball and the case of Ms. Grenier, who is uh, still locked up over there in the old Soviet Union, now called Russia. Yeah, Brittany Griner, the, probably the, the face of the women's NBA, one of the more spectacular players in the history of, the, of women's professional basketball. She's incarcerated in Moscow, Russia. And uh, the crime that she was paying is really just a, a crime of greed. Uh, she went to Russia um, to play in uh, the sports league the women's sports league to make much more dollars than she could in the women's NBA. 
But what she had with her in her luggage was a couple of vape pens that had some uh, cannabis oil in it. And they targeted her. They knew that uh, she was carrying going into Moscow and they really targeted her and, and really are now using her as um, an East versus West uh, political prisoner. She's in bad shape. Uh, hey, Russia has got an incredibly, um, not just neo-Nazi, but a really a racist background in, in how they view people. The average Russian on the street really, really doesn't think uh, all that much. But there is a, a really a hardcore thug of uh, neo-Nazism going on in, in Moscow and, and in Russia. And it's really kind of crazy how Putin would say, that's why we're going to invade Ukraine, because we're going to save the country from the neo-Nazis. There's more neo-Nazis in Moscow than, than there is in the whole country of, of Ukraine. How do I know this? Well, I was on a USA team that competed in Moscow for the World Indoor Championships. And prior to competition, a CAI, CIA chief came in to, spoke, to speak with our team prior to competition. And he warned us. He said, hey, don't walk the streets at night. There's an element that as if you're a person of color, you're not going to be safe. And uh, that raised the eyebrows and raised the rankles of a bunch of us coaches who were, you know, around during the 1960s. And some of the African-American coaches on the team were part of the civil rights struggle, John Carlos included. And uh, so that raised the rankles. Hey, we took care of that in the 60s. We can take care of this now. And the CIA guy said, uh-uh. Nope. These guys have everything <laughs> that you don't. They have Uzi machine guns. They have all this uh, Molotov cocktails left and right. They're not afraid to use them. So uh, it's a different world and it's a different concept of what freedom and fairness is in Moscow. And she, Brittany Griner, is going to be incarcerated for a while and she may uh, I'm a fear. I'm feared for her life because she may actually die in prison. They're, they're, the, the situation there is really primitive when you're incarcerated in Moscow. I've never been incarcerated, but I know how the system works there. She's in bad shape. And um, uh, I, I really feel bad. Well, we'll keep people posted. We've been talking about it uh, pretty regularly. Um, I know uh, she was playing for a team owned by one of the wealthiest people who was probably a Putin supporter. Absolutely. Um, and you know it. We'll see. I mean, uh, so far she's still locked up and they keep putting her hearings off. Well, you'll be back in about a month, I assume, with some yes. more news. So stay tuned, everybody, for the Heartland Sports Report with Gordon Thompson. Once in a while, we get my cousin Adam James in there. But Gordon is our main man on this front. And uh, stay tuned here if you're listening or if you're watching it. We'll be right back with more live from the heartland. Thank you once again, Gordo. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Right
Hey, we're back. We're back with more live from the heartland. So far, we've talked to Clem Balinoff on politics. We've talked to Gordon Thompson around sports. And now are the illustrious co-host sometimes of the show, Katie Hogan, is going to come on talking with her friend, our friend, Roseanne Magada. And they are both uh, active in the uh, advisory council at Loyola Park and Loyola Park Advisory Council is the host of the yearly event, Artists on the Wall or Artists of the Wall, a signature event here in the 49th Ward. And Katie is going to take it away with her little interview with Roseanne. We'll be right back after they're done. Yay, here we are again together on Live from the Heartland, um, the Zoom version. Um, Rosanna Magada, all these years, I think this audience is familiar that when they see you on the screen or on, you know, hear you on the radio, you're here to talk about Ars of the Wall. Absolutely. Yeah. It's our 29th year. I, it, it has gone by so effortlessly, it seems. <laughs> I, love, I love the way you say effortlessly. That's so great. Okay, uh, full disclosure, uh, Rosanna and I worked side by side on this festival for many, many years. Then I lit out to do something, maybe a radio show, I don't know, um, uh, and left her with everybody else. And it is, it is not effortless. It becomes <laughs> kind of a giant effort on one weekend. And, and then it's, it's something to behold for ever after. So- so Artists of the Wall, describe it the way you would to somebody who's never been there, I guess. Um, it is one of the most amazing hands-on art festival in the city that you ever want to experience. You have 160 people out painting on the 600-foot uh, breaker wall right at the beach's edge and it is magical that's 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 all i have to say about it right now it it, it is absolutely magical with families all around people are barbecuing live music is going kids are running around with paint on their faces we've got a great art tent we've got um synapse um, dance company playing. It's magical. It's just a magical weekend, Father's Day weekend. And it happens every Father's Day weekend for the last 29 years. We're going to have to do something magical for the 30th next year. It's, it's rolling in my head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah That's the, a big number. So the most amazing thing, for example, as we speak, uh, the squares are already sold. Um, there will be a few odds and ends available for walk up, but uh, really those are the funny, funny squares, <laughs> as I'm calling them, um, differently uh, sized than the full bench. Um, what what you uh, what people have to understand is this this wall that is being painted is actually a cement bench that runs as as Rosanna said, 600 feet, and it faces the water and faces our incredible dunes, restored dunes project and Pratt or Farwell Pier, whichever you call it. Um, and we, uh, 
it's it's year long art. It only lasts mm -hmm. a year. So One people year. are it's it's a gift of non-attachment for artists to paint on the walls. And it's very difficult to paint that surface. You really have to get to know how to do it to to get the effect you want. And so we have lots and lots of people come back year after year because they go, I'm gonna get it next time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that image, but they also fall in love with the whole process, right? And that becomes the attachment. Yeah. Because once you do it, once you actually experience it and something that you have created from everything that we put out and this year's theme is world of tomorrow. <laughs> How very Star Trek of us. Yes, right. <laughs> and we had this wonderful artist to, to uh, give us a graphic image of World of Tomorrow with hands all around the lake. It is really beautiful. Mm. And where we are today in our climate, mm -hmm. what does our World of Tomorrow look like? So it couldn't be more apropos of the climate that we're in and where we imagine that. And to have that imagination from 160 different artists painted on the wall is the attachment. Because once you do it, you wanna come back and you wanna do it again and again. And that's, that's the success and magic of this festival, Artists of the Wall Festival. That's absolutely, couldn't say it better. I mean, and, and re, it's sort of regardless of the theme, the overriding theme, mm -hmm. our Rogers Park artists family that comes together on that wall always seems to have a, a like-minded approach, which is, uh, and it's probably because of the surroundings while they're painting it. It's always about, you know, love and peace and community and this is our front yard and let's take care of the earth and you know it's just all this wonderful uplifting thoughts and even unto you know i always regularly there's there's a painting of someone meditating that makes you just stop and go oh maybe i should maybe i should be meditating right now moment exactly um so it's not the only thing that goes on you also have um we have a full stage happening both Saturday and Sunday. Right. And this is Father's Day weekend, which is next weekend. Mm -hmm. um, then there's also the art, the kids art tent. Absolutely. The kids art tent is being um, put on by this wonderful group called Third Estate Art. Okay. They have been um, helping us with the kids tents. They've been a part of the artists of the wall for the last four years and they just do an amazing job creating art with the little ones and they handcraft a lot of their arts and it's it's a tiny little piece of extra love that they give it seems tiny but it's really large for the tiny ones you don't just do, still do the practice wall do you we haven't done it in a couple of years. We brought it up to do this year. You never know. We just <laughs> might get one to do it because that's always really great right behind the paint tent. Mm -hmm. We have the little kids that just do, just paint over and we just walk, come back and wipe it over and they just paint again. And it's just 
a complete mess is what it is. Complete mess. Wellington's on because it's really glo- uh, it's, But I, I remember glo- exactly when we started doing it. And it was because kids would come by without parents or anyone else with $30 to buy a square. And they'd be, I want to paint, I want to paint, I want to paint. And so we just thought, why not just create some plywood you know, thing that people can paint on? And oh my God. Did they ever? It was fantastic. And we'd have to whitewash it a couple each day to start over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. There's a couple other things going on in the park we should mention before we let this go. Um, On that very day, on that weekend, Father's Day weekend, it is also a uh, volunteer day for the wonderful Dune Restoration Project. It is indeed. Yeah, which happens from 9.30 to 12.30. So mm-hmm. even though the squares are sold right now, you could show up to the park and, and be doing dune restoration with the incredible, the ineffable uh, Ann Whalen, who's been on this show many times, talking about the dunes there. Um, and by the time you get finished, you'll, you can walk along the wall and see just dozens and dozens of people setting up and getting really into their painting. It's, mm-hmm. it's the coolest thing. And then, of course, cool. yeah. And then, of course, Sunday afternoon is the judging, right? Absolutely. The wall, you need to have your wall done by noon and then the judging starts. I do also want to mention that for uh, we have the Coast Guard Auxiliary that's going to be out both Saturday and Sunday doing water safety, which is really important. And we're very excited to have them back at the festival uh, sharing water safety tips with us. And we do have that, they're going to be with us all day. And we have a uh, free barber that's uh, going to- Oh, help. right. We're gonna have some, some barbering going on. Is so there a barber college in the neighborhood? Is that- there is a barber college in the neighborhood called Legacy. Right. And they're going to come out and 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 share their skills for free. And share their skills <laughs> for free, and that's going to be really wonderful. I do also want to mention that not only are we the Loyola Park Advisory Council help create this amazing festival every year, but we have a whole list of um, projects that we do throughout the year. So have a look at our website at loyolapark.org and you can find us on all social media. And we've got some great movies in the festival coming up this summer. So get your blankets ready. The first one's coming up is Princess Bride on July 9th and then Emma and Coco. We've got a couple other um, um, events going on like the Latin Festival movie and Bioluminescence. So just go on our website or Chicago Park uh, website and find us here at Loyola Park and come out and join us. We are an amazing community of just art and love and happiness. That's what I feel. <laughs> Couldn't say it better. Thank you so much. We're, this was uh a little talk about Artists of the Wall Festival, which happens Father's Day weekend. Um, that's June 19th and 20th. 
18th and 19th. 18th and 19th. Thank you. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. And it's just a magnificent uh, way to uh, welcome summer uh, is the way we used to say it for years. Uh, to, way to bring summer to our neighborhood and, and bring others to our neighborhood. So peace out, my sister. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me once again. I appreciate it. You brought me back. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. And we're um, doing voters registration. Oh, right. We're doing voters registration. That's my job, I think, this year. And yes, so let people know that they can register to vote register and to vote. get some other information about the upcoming primary from us there. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, my Bye. sister. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you, Katie, and thank you, Roseanne, and uh, all those people who are missing Katie Hogan on this show. Uh, she's going to host a, a couple of shows coming up at the end of June and the beginning of July. And uh, let me just throw in again uh, a little reminders. Next week, we're going to have Fritz Cahey, the Cook County Assessor, elected as a reformer, now being challenged by uh, what's left of the regular wing of the Democratic Party. We're also going to welcome my old house, my old pal from growing up, author Mark Scott Smith, who's written three novels now about the Pacific War. And uh, we're very sorry to learn that Anne McGravy, our friend from Scotland, who found a home in Rogers Park along with her brother Leo and her sister Joe. Anne is a very accomplished playwright. Uh, the three of them, either together or separately, frequented the Heartland Cafe very often. And uh, she was just a wonderful woman. And she hung in there a long time in her mid-90s, I believe. Uh, check out her playwriting, uh, Anne McGravy. That's M-C, capital G-R-A-V-I-E. Uh, today, we're going to go out with... Uh, I think we're going to go out with Blind Boys of Mississippi doing I've Been Treating My Neighbor Right. We'd like to get a gospel-esque tune in here because Bob Marvich and Gospel Memories follows this show when it's on air and streamed. Uh, if we don't have that, we're going to go out with our beloved Twin Peaks doing Our World. And let me just let you know that we've been putting this show together for over 25 years. Uh, we're broadcast on Saturdays, again on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And you can get us at youtube.com slash heartlandmedia slash uh, videos. And you can also get us on Can TV and Spotify and Google Podcasts. Uh, I want to thank the people who really make this thing possible. And that would be Emilio Davis, Lynn Orman Weiss, Imani Warren over at Loyola, Luis Mejia, who's down there in Veracruz, and Katie Hogan and Tom Clark who sometimes come on the show as hosts or as guests. I'm Michael James. Um, I'm looking forward to a good week. Uh, I'll be back next week with a couple of wonderful guests who I already mentioned. So do good in the world, because the world needs all the good that you do, all the good that I do. Together, we can make the world a better place. Have a wonderful week, over and out.